sort of wrestling with um, with him during the week as to what to speak on tonight. We've got a number of things that he's just sort of speaking to me about, things I'm writing on. And I uh, just sensed him say he wanted me to speak over this topic called surrender. And I'm going to speak over sort of three weeks. There's a gap next week. We're away next week in fielding speaking, but following week I'm going to speak about part two and I think it's either the week after that or the never week but the week after that we're going to give you part three because it's just too much to to bring it into one message um, and here's the key point if there's anything that you want to take away from tonight this is the key point and it is in front of you but sometimes it helps to write it down as well it's the surrender to Christ must define our commitment to Christ. So our surrender to Christ must be the thing that defines our commitment to Christ. You could say it this way, our commitment to Christ must be defined by our surrender. But it's the thing the flesh hates. Anyone realize that? None of us are wired to surrender. In fact, we're wired to do the opposite. We're wired to survive. You don't surrender. That's that's weakness. That's a sign of weakness. But in the kingdom, it's a sign of strength. It's a sign of wisdom. And that song we just sung, His ways are perfect. Surrender is His way. It's the flesh surrendering itself to Him, the Spirit. But that's the challenge because... It's the opposite to who we are in our humanity. You know, that whole thing of raise the white flag and give up. Winston Churchill said, you never, ever give up. We're British. (laughs) And we're, I don't know what line you're from, but the British never, ever give up. Unless we're playing Iceland at football. And then we're terrible. (laughs) But, um... Our, yeah, that's right, come on the Welsh. (laughs) But our surrender to Christ must be defined by our commitment to Christ. Otherwise, otherwise we're going to define it all. And that's how we get in trouble. That's how we don't receive the life that he's called us to receive because we're committed to him, but we're just not surrendered. And if you want to uh, know how surrendered someone is to Christ, you tap the thing that they love. So as soon as you tap the thing that someone truly loves, you'll see how surrendered they are to him or her. Or what they do. So either what you love or what you do, even what you do in the name of Jesus, you'll see how surrendered someone is when you tap what they do for Christ and you'll see if it's actually laid out like that in the palm of their hand or whether it's something they hold like that. And I know this because this comes from experience of being in a position of leadership here now for the last, since 2003. And uh, when I started here, the first three months of my introduction to being on staff was a living hell. (laughs) It really was. And by the calling of God being on my life, I would have ran away. Because I had to deal with these people called musicians. Musicians are beautiful people. But at times, 
their gifting is so wrapped up in their identity and their purpose is that when you touch it, ooh, don't touch that. Because you get to see what comes out. You get to see how surrendered they actually are. And in the first three months of me being here, we went from having four teams down to one. (laughs) And I would have thought, man, I was Satan running through the place because there was so much opposition going on to to myself. And I got given a role and I had to, uh, I got a little bit uh, blindsided. I think I got set up a little bit. And it was sink or swim. Because I'd been part of the music team, and I knew the egos and the agendas and all the issues that were part of going with the music team, because it was more about the music than it was about actually him. And it was more about people showing you how cool they were and the licks they could do with their electric guitars and their drums and their bass, than it really was about him. And when I was on here, we had a great musicians. They were fantastic musicians. Man, just don't sing it wrong, just don't get it wrong, otherwise you got slammed for singing out of key or slammed for playing the wrong key. And yet, there was this idol, and God wanted to smash this idol. And um, I remember one team, I had the, uh, I remember one of the um, the music leaders decided to step down. Well, that's cool. And I said, well, can you go and share with your guys? And I said, no, we need to find a leader for the team. And at that time, Anthony and Greg Walton were here. And I said, what are we going to do? And they said, well, you lead the team. Um, in the interim of finding a new leader. So I went and told the leader that was stepping down to talk to his team about that, which he said he'd do. He never did. And then the team decided who was going to lead this community from the front, and they picked a guy that wasn't living the sort of lifestyle that you'd hoped someone was going to live if they were going to lead lead us into God's presence. Anyway, so long story short, um, I send out an email to the team saying, hey, great guys, going to be leading you, and, and all hell literally broke loose. Who do you think you are? We've already decided who's leading the team. And so we had, had a, a meeting and a, and a mediation. <laughs> this is in the body of Christ. It's crazy. And, you know, you think everyone's on the same page till you push the thing that tr- people truly love that's not yet surrendered. And then you see what comes out. A little bit like when James and John wanted to burn the Samaritans. And Jesus said, guys, I came here to save people, not to kill them. You don't know what spirit's coming out of you right now. It's called the spirit of the flesh. And the spirit of the flesh must be surrendered unto God. And it must be laid at the foot of the cross through the power of God coming upon a person. Anyway, I remember trying to lead these guys, and I said to these guys, um, can you get here at this time? We're going to practice. So they said, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I'm here. I remember Danny being here. Let's say it was 7.30. They all stroll in at 8.30. Then I said, we're going to get started. Now we're going for breakfast. So they came in here because at this time we used to serve breakfast. So they had breakfast and we were waiting out there. And then it was about 20 past nine. They strolled out. Are you, we're ready now. Here's the thing. They were that good. They could just do that. They could just play because they were that good musicians. They didn't need to practice anything. And I just remember, it was a horrible morning. I remember like feeling like daggers <coughs> as you're trying to lead God's people into, into the presence of God. And then that night I had to come back. and It was just horrible, absolutely horrible. And as God started to move through, 
and start to speak to a person one by one. We went, as I say, from four teams down to about one and a half. And I remember Anthony coming saying, what are you doing? What? I'm saying, I'm doing nothing. I'm just praying and just asking him to do a work. One by one, he started coming. And he, all the hearts were being exposed for the motive that was truly there because we weren't surrendered. And God has been doing this work well, forever and a day. It's not just now, it's not just here, it's everywhere. And so surrender defines everything. Before you are committed, be surrendered. Before you want to run off and find out what your gift is and your ministry is, and all these things which are in here, if we're not surrendered, we will define how it all works. And we're going to look at a little bit of that tonight. But come with me to 2 Corinthians 12. 2 Corinthians 12, 9. And this guy by the name of Paul, he discovered the reality in Christ. And so he wrote about it for us so then we wouldn't get tripped up. Paul was an incredible follower of Jesus. But he once wasn't that. He was an anti Christ. And through, as we know, an encounter of being filled with the Holy Spirit, which we were praying for this morning, that man was altered forever and continued to be altered. And he wrote these words in 2 Corinthians 12, verses 9. He said, and he said to me, this is the words of Jesus. Jesus said to Paul, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Power is perfected when we surrender. Power of God within you is perfected when you come to God in weakness. See, once again, the world says that's a wussy way to go. I'm not coming. I'm, I'm standing. I'm strong human being. Weakness is, is that's, that's just ridiculous. That's foolishness. And it is to the unwise, isn't it? Foolishness, weakness, it's pathetic. Surrendering to someone else, but yet surrender, submission is the way into the kingdom. It is the way in. The Lord says, I will love you, Greg, if you submit to me. Submit to me, surrender to me, and I promise to love you. And the more you know his love, the more willingly you'll surrender. Surrender is a way of the kingdom life, yet it is anti the flesh. Hence, this is why we need to know him, because he's so good. The more we truly have him revealed within us, the greater we will want to surrender and come into this weakness. And Paul realized this because Paul was a man of absolute arrogance and pride, wasn't he? In the name of Saul. He was the opposite. And the man has a reference point for how opposite he was. He has a beautiful reference for it for being Saul because he came into being Paul. He was so lost. That's why he knows how found he was. He was so found, that's how... He knows how lost he was. And he says these words to us, where Jesus says to him, Saul, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Then Paul says, most gladly, therefore, I'd rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. I said this this morning, I'm just going to say this all the time. When you see a so that, stop. 
because it's supposed to grab you. Because he's saying one thing, then he says, so that. Okay? Most gladly, therefore, if this is the case, if your grace is sufficient and your power is perfected in my weakness and my surrender, then most gladly, therefore, I'd, I'd rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ might dwell in me. The word dwell means to inhabit, remain. So the power of God remains in us as we come through the state of weakness. As we surrender to him, power is perfected in us. Who wants to live from the power of God 24-7? Well, it comes as we surrender. The work is formed in us. Christ is formed in us as we continue to surrender to him. He goes on, therefore, I am well content with weaknesses. <laughs> He's well content. I'm chilled. I'm at rest. I'm no longer striving. I'm content with this position of how this works. See, the more you come into this position of Christ, because you understand how perfect his ways are, becomes such a privilege to let go of oneself. Does that make sense? It's like when you realize how good cookies and cream ice cream is as opposed to vanilla, all you want to do is eat cookies and cream ice cream, if you're anything like me. Because you want more and more and more. But it's foolishness. That sounds complete foolishness to the flesh because it's anti the way of the flesh, but it's the way of the spirit. And so as his people, he says to us, deny yourself. Forever, before you ever pick up a cross, before you ever want to go do great things for me. Because I don't need you to do great things for me because I'm great. My ways are perfect and I can just breathe and there can be life. I can sneeze and creation can be formed. So I really don't need you doing. You're going to do some things, but I really don't need you to do anything for me because I am the creator. So I want you to get to know me and I want you to become someone. And I want you to have my life formed in you. And I want you to live from having my life in you. I want you to live as a son and as a daughter. And live from this identity. No longer living from the flesh, but living from the spirit. So how is this going to work? Great question. It comes as I come under you and I surrender to you in your way. And as we know, he says, my, my ways are so far higher than yours, Greg. They're just so far different to the way you would do everything. They are polar opposite. And this man, Paul, he knew this. So he says, I'm content with weaknesses, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am what? Strong. How does that work? When I'm weak, then I'm strong. When I'm at the end of me is where life truly begins and where you begin in me. For Christ in me is the hope of glory, literally. Not just I prayed a prayer 20 years ago and Christ came into me and yet Christ is in me. No, Christ being formed in you and I literally is the hope of the world. So when people look at you and I because of our surrender to Christ and the formation of Christ in us, they don't see you and I. 
They see who lives within us. The world doesn't need to see more of Greg Simnor. The world needs to see Jesus Christ in Greg Simnor, coming out of Greg Simnor, because Jesus is hope, isn't he? He is the anchor unto our soul, isn't he? So our lives, when they are surrendered to Christ, well before they are committed to Christ, but surrendered to Christ, forms and shapes the Christ within us, which forms hope within us. So people see hope when they see you. Because by the demonstration of our lives, which is really where it needs to get to, not just the theory of our lives, but the demonstration of our lives, because we're all a letter, and we're all ambassadors called to represent the Father on earth as the Son was on the earth we are to be, people see him, which brings glory to his name. Paul found this place, and then the invite Paul gives you and I is, imitate me as I imitate the Christ. 1 Corinthians 11.1. 1. What an invitation. Don't be like an apostle, because only some are called to be apostles. I'm a man of faith. I live by faith. So look at my life, look at my process, and understand my process and how I came into the Father's perfect ways. And then imitate the process and the way. So now you've got all these Pauls running around. A Paul is sacrificial, selfless, set apart, empowered, and sent. All through surrender. But surrender must define commitment. There are three groups of followers. This just came to me as I was preparing this. There are those who are uncommitted to Christ and not surrendered to Christ. These are all in the family. Because you don't get kicked out just because you're not surrendered because his blood covers and makes us righteous, yes? So it's not our behavior that qualifies us, it's his love. But like in my family, just because I love my children, that doesn't mean to say they act in the way I want them to. That doesn't mean they do what I ask them to do. doesn't mean they're surrendered to me. They can do what they do. But that doesn't mean at the same time they're going to get rewarded the way I would want to reward them, would it? So disobedience is not rewarded at all. You see, the freeness of God's love gets you in, but it's your obedience to that that gets you the reward. And we just like to think it's just all free, and it doesn't matter how we behave, we're going to get it all, but that's not what the Bible says. And so once again, we have to be surrendered because what God wants is a committed people. So commitment is right. It's good. He's looking for devotion. But committed to him and his ways and the way he does everything, that's why we must be surrendered. And you see these two attributes working throughout every relationship in the body of Christ, don't you? So you see love and surrender in my relationship with him. Then he puts it into the marriage covenant. We looked at this yesterday. And he says a husband would love his wife as Christ loves, and a wife would surrender to their husband. But both are in love and submission to the father. Then you see it in a family. Children, we're all family, but in the physical family. Then you see it outworking in the body, meaning surrender, submit to your leadership. 
as the leadership loves surrender so they can govern and shepherd well. So when everybody's playing their functioning roles well at different levels, it works really well. And you have what? Oneness of the Spirit in the body which Jesus prayed for. But when it doesn't all work out like that, do you know what you have? Massive division. And you have people with their freedom devouring one another. Why? Because they're all running around chasing their individual purposes and plans and goals and ministries and what I'm going to do and what I'm going to do and I want to be the music leader. Well, I want to be the preacher. Well, I want to be the children's worker. Well, I want to be this and I want to be that and I want to be this one. And you've got all this individualism going on. And there's no oneness because no one's surrendered. But everybody's committed. I'm committed to Jesus to lay my life down with Jesus. Really? Then what would that look like? So you've got these people in the family, and some of them are uncommitted to Christ, and they're not surrendered to Christ. Then you've got people who are committed to Christ, but they're not surrendered to Christ. Then you've got the third group, which are surrendered to Christ and committed to Christ. And they are the people that have this incredible, abundant life in them, coming out of them, because they've learned not only who Jesus is and are receiving that through revelation, but they've also learnt the ways of the Father. They've learnt the ways of surrender to the ways, and through revelation, now they're coming into the way. Now they're modelling the way they receive life. While other people can be running around doing all these things like Martha and receiving nothing. But you're so busy, and doesn't anyone see? And Lord, I did this, and I did this, and... I healed the sick and I cast out demons and, and we prophesied, we raised dead people. And he goes, yep. But I still don't know you because you did all that in using my name, but it was not in alignment to my way. Oops. And it says they never entered into the kingdom of heaven, which is not heaven. It's they never entered into having a transformed life within them and the kingdom that's coming so it's not heaven and hell and the reason why they didn't enter and jesus tells them is you didn't do my will but we've taught the will of god is to lay hands on the sick cast out demons prophesy do every abc in the book and jesus said go into the world didn't he and do some things so if that's the will of god and that's what they were asked to do and they did it why are they now hearing who are you? I don't know you. Because they did it in his name. He allowed it to be done in his name. And he says, you of lawlessness. So you can be committed and you can cast out demons and you can reach lost people and you can serve here and still not be surrendered to the Father and the Father's ways. And he will let you do it. I don't know whether I would have if I'd been God. But God's ways are not my ways. His highs are higher than mine, and he allows it. Why does he allow it? Because he's ultimately looking to see who truly loves him and truly will do it his way. Hence the great commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart. See, when you love the Lord your God with all you are, you're not loving yourself, which means you're not living for yourself, which means you're not leading yourself, which means you've come into the Father's ways. Does that make sense? And so this is why surrender must define everything. That's why he teaches, before you pick up your cross and come and follow me, 
there's got to be a work done because you really want to be God, Greg. You want to be the God of your life. This is how you live. You've always lived this way. And you want to control everything. You want to be in control of your own destiny. You want to even shape the way I'm going to do everything. In fact, if I leave you on your own, you're going to define how I build the church is going to happen. And all that's going to get you entangled in fleshly stuff that you think is going to be of me, but it's not of me, and you're not going to have my life. And it's become a burden, heavy. And then if everyone lives like that, there's no oneness being formed and shaped in my church. And I'll be honest with you, I don't see oneness in the body of Christ as a whole. I see a lot of conformity. So a lot of conforming to man-made vision. Man driving an external outcome. And everyone gets on board because it sounds amazing. And everybody wants to be in a winning team, don't we? We want to be the All Blacks because they're the winners. Nobody wants to be in the losing team. We want to be in the winning team. And then someone comes along by the name of Jesus and says, that's not how you do it, lads. You do it through weakness. You do it through surrender. You actually can't do anything. You can't do a damn thing. Sorry, my English. And Jesus even taught that. Apart from me, you can do jack. You can't produce anything worthy of anything unless it's me doing the work in and through you through your surrender. Can you see why surrender must define commitment? It has to. It absolutely has to if we are to find the life that we were guaranteed and call for and is true in here. Because Jesus is not a liar and the truth will make us free if we are surrendered to him. But who wants to surrender? See, what tends to happen is and this is what I've seen in this community, and it will continue to happen here until we surrender, is that it's like some people get to the point where they're open and they're allowing, but as they feel that starting to come more and more and more, then they abort. Because that final part that needs to die in us, it's horrible. Your and my flesh does not want to go to that point. And it will squirm and scream and, and, and at any opportunity it will try and run. This is why we must walk together. And this is why literally at times you must physically walk with a brother. And when a brother wants to run away, you turn up and you go, you're not going anywhere while I walk with you while your flesh dies. And while Paul or I want to run, and what we are for one another is we encourage we courage in one another to allow God to do this work where my flesh wants to run away. And that's natural because the flesh wants to live. So if a gunman walked in here and started with a gun, we would all have a different response because go with me in the physical, our flesh wants to live. We want to live. Some of us would be down the corridor. Some of us would hit the deck. Some of us would try and maybe take him out. Why? Because in the natural, we want to live. So, right, Brett would pull out his gun as a policeman and shoot him. <laughs> he might be the first one out of here. We'd be like, hey, where's he going? <laughs> but see, in the natural and the flesh, we're wired to survive, aren't we? Our innate response is to stop being killed. Well, that's what it's like in the spirit. Our flesh does not want to die. That's why we need God to be 
poured into us like this morning. And like I spoke two weeks ago, be filled of the Holy Spirit, be filled with the power of the Spirit, because the power of God, the filling of His Spirit, trumps my flesh. My life is a testimony of making stupid decisions and being smashed at the age of 29, not because of wisdom, but because of dumbness that took me to the place of my flesh, actually my spirit of pride being smashed, and now I could actually receive God. Because the hardness of my heart, the pride of my life that was actually saying to him, yes, I believe in you if you do ABC, and he would do all that, and I would see signs and wonders and lights and rooms and all the fancy stuff, but still would not submit and surrender. Why? Because the spirit of pride that was in me, and I didn't think I was a prideful person, but it was there, because it's of the Spirit. Then it got smashed. And then he came in and filled me from inside out through the surrendering position, the broken position. And that's why David said in Psalms 51, after he had gone, hey, Bathsheba, you're pretty hot. I'm going to have you because I can and did and then got her husband killed. And when he's now presented through Nathan the prophet, and saying, what would happen if a man did this and a man did that? He said, I would kill him. He said, well, that man is you. Nathan had some pretty big gumption, eh? <laughs> Imagine standing in front of the king who can take your head off and saying to him, you are guilty of a sin. See, the Bible says we're called to be sons, peacemakers. Because he loved David, he did, at the expense of his own life, because he was surrendered to the Lord. And so David writes for you and I. He says this. He says, Lord, I figured out that you don't want my sacrifices, and you don't want my burnt offerings. Before you want that, what do you want? Who can tell me? A broken spirit and a contrite heart. See, before I realized, he's saying, before I was, I was committed to you, I slay Goliath. That was pretty cool. And you honored that. But see, the spirit of pride is in all of us because we're born with it. We are born with the spirit of pride in us. And it will manifest out of us. And you might think you're the most humble person on the planet. Let me tell you, you're not. Do you know who makes us humble? Him. So blessed are the poor in spirit. The very first beatitude, the very first one from the only sermon Jesus preached. So the first thing, the only sermon, he taught a lot of things, but it's the only sermon he taught was about being humble of spirit through the surrender of one's life. And having the spirit of pride broken off you so you're able to receive the spirit of humility and the spirit come in you and upon you. See how fascinating and powerful surrendering must be. So our surrender to Christ must be defi- must define our commitment. Listen to this. A Romanian pastor was asked this question. Why has the Western church lost its power or influence with God and man? The answer he gave was we have substituted surrender for commitment. 
a Romanian pastor was asked, why has the Western church lost its power or influence with God and man? The answer, he said, was we have substituted surrender for commitment. Self is the greatest idol in our lives, and if it isn't put to death, then self will determine and dictate how everything is going to happen. Self must surrender itself to God. Why did the rich young ruler not inherit the eternal life? There's a question. There's an answer. Why did the rich young ruler not inherit eternal life? How do I inherit eternal life? I've been a good lad. I've been committed. I honored my parents. I did this. I did that. I did this. And what did Jesus say? One thing you lack, son. You need to go and sell everything you got. Oh, there's a problem. I like everything I got. <laughs> See, ultimately, he couldn't do that because it was a heart issue. It wasn't his money. Rich people can enter the kingdom of heaven. But he was rich in spirit. He was proud, which caused him to have wealth. And when that was challenged and that was pressed, because Jesus can see everything. So when Jesus comes and he goes, I'm going to press that thing, that's the issue right there. That's just the manifestation of that. That's the issue. That's where the root is. And I'm going to press it. And when he pressed on it, the young man had to run away because he wasn't surrendered. But like he says, he'd committed, ticked the boxes, looked good, turned up, gave when they asked, cast out demons, laid hands on, preached the gospel, went downtown, run around. Yeah, well, maybe, maybe not. See, we can't let the external kid us. We have to discern the true spiritual state of an individual, ourselves, and a group of people. That's why we must see in the Spirit to discern what's really going on. And really, pressure tests everything, doesn't it? When you're put under pressure, it tests who is in you and who comes out. You or him or a demon. <laughs> I love people say to me, oh, the work of the cross is done. You know, so everything that's not of Jesus must be the demon. So my behavior, I've had people say to me when people don't behave in a way that looks like, oh, that's demonic, that, that's the demon made me do it. So you're saying you're demon-possessed. No. Well, that doesn't look like a fruit of the Spirit. So that's either Christ, and I don't think it's Christ, or it's you. Your old nature, your flesh that still lives because it won't be surrendered because it wants to live and it won't allow Christ in because you haven't yet come through the powerful way of weakness and surrender. We're still trying to define everything. Why did Peter rebuke Jesus? Pretty bold, gutsy move, isn't it? I'll go with you to die. Come on. I'm the man. And the Bible says they all said the same thing. All hot air. Until the pressure went on. See, we're great, hey, we're great when it's all feeling good. Yeah, we're all this and we're all that and singing the songs and praising all that. And then the pressure goes on and whoa, where did everyone go? One minute they're all telling me they can't pray for an hour in the garden, but anyway. See, the same thing he had issues, the same issues the rich young ruler had. What about Judas? 
he walked with Christ? But was he really surrendered to Christ? You can walk it, talk it, smile it. I'm going to read some words in Matthew. Listen to the words of self in Matthew 26. These are the, we- these are the words of Judas. And I think they're quite powerful words. Uh, Matthew 26, 14. Quite sickly words. Then one of the twelve named Judas Iscariot went to the chief priest and said, What are you willing to give me to betray him to you? That just reeks of the stench of self right now. What are you willing to give to me? Me. Me must be surrendered. I must be surrendered. Why did all the disciples say they would go to their death with Christ only to desert him? Because their commitment hadn't been defined by their surrender. So self still lived. Key point again, surrender to Christ must define our commitment to Christ. And if it doesn't, there are massive consequences for us. Now I'd encourage you to read Matthew 7, 21 to 27 which is the whole story of the men that said Lord, Lord we've done ABC in your name and Jesus takes them through and he says you know it's those who do the will of the Father that enter the kingdom and so just because you do these things it's not the will of necessarily the will of the Father the will of the Father as we're looking at Sunday mornings is sanctification and works And if we enter into sanctification, that'll align us. So then the works we do are spirit-led and of the Lord and in the rest of the Lord and by faith. So it's not just about doing anything for him. It's not just about going, I'm going to rush off and do all these things because I have all these good intentions. They've got to be God-led, spirit-led works. Those are the works that actually qualify us or make us righteous. So the Bible says in James, it's faith and deed that make us righteous before the Lord, justified before the Lord. So there are works to be done, but they are spirit-led and powered by the Holy Spirit. And they're all done in rest. So you'll know whether you're in true works, because if there's no rest, you're probably doing something you shouldn't be doing, because he empowers and he said, you come to me and I'll give you rest. Everything he did was from a place of rest, and he's the model. And this is why we have to be apprehended because Jesus said, you know, see, I only do what my father initiates. He could have done a lot of cool things, couldn't he? He could have done whatever he wanted, but he only did because he was surrendered to the father. That's why he spent the time with the father hearing, listening, receiving, and then going and doing from this place. So then the anointing and the power flowed through him and everything he touched. Well, this is our example for us to do. And so have a look at that because it then says in verse 24, those who hear these words is like a man who built his house on the, on the rock. Okay, So these scriptures are linked. Predominantly we preach them separate. What words? The man who hears the words in verse 21 to 23, which I just preached, 
Lord, Lord, into the kingdom of God. Those words, he hears them and acts upon them is like the man who built his house on the rock. So those who can hear what's being said in that passage of the Spirit and then go and live in accordance to what's being said and come into the life, those people build their houses upon the rock. So when the storms of life come, their house, which is us, stands. So there are two houses in that passage of Scripture. There is one that's built on rock and one that's built on sand. The one that's built on the sand collapses, doesn't it? Well, who is the modern-day house? We are. So can you discern the true work that's happening in the house? Because we can all look the same, but we're not necessarily being built on the same foundation. And we're not being built necessarily the way God intends. So we can all turn up in a gathering and no houses are really being built. No tabernacles are being built the way God intends. Because why? Because we haven't yet come into his ways and we haven't yet surrendered his ways. So we're doing everything our way. So although we can sing songs and praise and do actions, it doesn't mean any true, authentic work of the Spirit is being built. So when the pressure comes and the storms of life come and when death comes and disaster comes and loss comes, instead of being hope, we get blown away because no true work has been happening because we haven't been surrendered to the Father, but we've been committed to Him. I'm committed here. I come every week. I'm here early. I'm doing ABC. It doesn't necessarily mean anything. It can mean everything, but it doesn't mean it's everything. That's not a sign of whether you are being built or not. doesn't matter if you can sing like this guy, play like this guy. That doesn't mean you're being built. Because music's got nothing to do with the building work of a person inside. Has it? The true work. Nothing. Nothing at all. Neither is giving money. All they are outcomes, you would hope, of a true work that's being built within a person. But see, this is why we need to discern the difference between the internal and the external. Just because you have 10,000 people gathering in a room doesn't mean anything is happening, but it could. And just because you have two people built in the room, it may not mean anything's happening, but it could. And this is what Jesus is saying. Those who hear these words and come into my ways of the way it happens, they who hear them will build their house on the Christ, on the foundation of the Christ and the truth, which is himself. So when crap happens in the world, crap doesn't take the church out. It actually enhances the church. It sharpens her. It builds her. But all those that aren't actually hearing and acting and are just doing, well, they can be swept away. So who do you want to be? Because there's two houses being described. And my house and the neighbor's house look exactly the same. The same builder built them. They could be the same. They might not be the same. They might be built most, well, they both could be built on sand. So surrender is massive. And it's the Holy Spirit that needs to lead us in that surrender. Because once again, we can't just go right now. And please hear me, because the, the, the next two times I'm going to speak, this is what we're going to look at. What drives this committed posture rather than the surrendered one? So what drives this committed thing? Okay. 
And how do we become more surrendered so our surrender defines our commitment? So commitment is good, but if it's not defined by God, it'll get you in trouble. It's God-given, but it was poisoned from the fall. We've been poisoned from the fall, and God's trying to work us back through putting his spirit in us, yeah? and his truth. So he's working with us from a back-to-front perspective because we once were perfect. The fall, we're now imperfect, and we need our minds renewed to discover God and how he does everything. Well, that can only happen through the work of the Holy Spirit. And so those are the two things I want to look at. So please don't leave here and go, right, now I want to be more surrendered, and I'm going to try and be more surrendered in my flesh because that's exactly what we're tempted to do. So just rest in tonight. Just rest in him. And say, Father, show me if there are areas in my life, ways in which I'm operating that need to be surrendered to the cross. You show me if I'm trying to understand you through the intellect first, show me that that is the way of the world. And then show me and I'll repent from it and then I'll ask you to fill me to transform that thinking to renew my mind. Remember, he loves us all. He died for us all. And it's an unconditional grace that's covering us all in our ignorance, just like Paul. So we can rest in that while he goes to work, while we actually surrender to him and just open up and allow him to come in and be the master surgeon and cut and shape us. Is that cool? So don't rush off and try and fix yourself. Because that's the flesh's tea is to do that, isn't it? So, Father, tonight, as we look at some of these questions, I pray, Lord, that you'll just bring conviction and life. If there are things in our hearts and our minds that need to be uh, renewed, God, bring them. And may we pray for those as a group or as individuals when we leave. Lord, you want us, you have a vision for us to become exactly like your son. Not many gods, but filled with your power and your life that we would glorify you, that we would experience your life in us as a body and as an individual, and that that glorified position would speak to a lost world of you. So, Father, I ask this in Jesus' name. You are faithful to perform on your word. You do the work within us, Father. And so we just surrender again to that work tonight to illuminate in our minds areas that may need to shift. Jesus' name.